Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 62nd episode. 62nd episode, I'm joined by great coach, great person, Philip Schallenberger. Coach Schallenberger, uh, as of right now, he's the current GM of the Park Sports Complex. It's going to be in Lehigh Valley, multi-million dollar facility. Uh, he's also a coach with the Powerballers organization. Uh, coaching their 17U team as well as helping out with other teams. Like I said, serving uh, the players in the Power Baller uh, organization. Former Karen University head coach, 2016 and 2020. He was, at, during that time, he was the CSAC Coach of the Year. He was the all time winningest coach in Karen University history, where he led the Highlanders to their first playoff appearance and victory. He's also assistant coach with Savannah Bananas in 2020 during that COVID summer. One of the only leagues that were playing. Um, during that time, he was worked with players from all over the country, many levels. And like he talked about in the interview, um, was a, one of the most talented groups he ever, we ever played, that he ever coached. Uh, but just an extremely valuable experience there with the Savannah Bananas that we all know now, that's for sure. And uh, coaching with Coach Gilly and and, the, and getting to see the owner of the Savannah Bandits work. And, and um, he was also an assistant coach at Belmont University in 2015, where they were top 10 in uh, seven offensive categories in Division I. Um, coached four players that got drafted from Belmont. Um, as also was a player and assistant coach at Geneva. And he was a team MVP there. Uh, a good player in his own right, as well as being able to um, coach an outstanding guy, a uh, Division Three national strikeout leader at Geneva. So uh, Coach Schallenberger just dives into a, a ton of stuff, really ties into the roots of kind of who he is and the roots of what he does, uh, which is about people and about relationships, and, you know, dives into how he's attentional about those things. We get into his journey, his experience that has led him and the, the lessons he's learned throughout his stops where he can now see the pieces working that here's how it would help me to get to this point here I am today. Uh, just a great conversation. And let's get into it. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks again for supporting us. Here he is, Coach Philip Schallenberger. I'll kind of just go back to like the really beginning, like, uh, like obviously I played in college, played baseball and, um, I got to, uh, just kind of see different areas and different roles, um, in, in so many different ways. So, uh, I, I think one of the things that how I got to kind of where I'm at is that every coach has a unique story, right? Like every mm-hmm. coach has talked about how they get into the game, what they had to do in order to get to where they're at. Like every head coach at some point has had to make some type of major sacrifice to get to where they were um, in in whatever position early on in their career. And I was fortunate enough to have full-time jobs at universities that allowed me to still coach. Um, So I started like as a GA basically, um, actually a volunteer assistant at at my alma mater at Geneva College over in Western PA. and just kind of volunteer, but I worked at a community rec center where I was a fitness intern, where I worked with the fitness department, worked with their trainers, 
got to basically become an athletic trainer, like physical, like a physical, like a trainer, uh, just by learning from them. Then I transfer transitioned into youth programming there where I got to learn how to manage people and develop programs that helped bring people together, help communities. Um, and then ended up transitioning into like basically a full-time GA, which then took me in my higher ed program. So I was, my master's was in higher education, um, ended up taking a job at Karen a long time ago hmm. as a resident director. So I worked full-time in student affairs and residence life where I actually lived on the campus, oversaw a complex um, that the students lived in, oversaw a team, managed a group of students that o- helped oversee the complex. Um, and I got to learn how to lead differently and lead different people that were a lot different than what I was used to working, working with. I was used to working with athletes, right. um, but I wasn't used to working with just the, the typical student that comes to, to go to the college because they love the university and the college and not just because they wanted to come and play uh, athletic sports or do something else. So um, got to do that. And then yeah. I, was, I, the, I was honestly, I kind of gave up on coaching. Like I was kind of, you know, what, I need to break from baseball. Like I, I was going to take a break. Um, Karen was notoriously not good at the time when I got there. Um, I think they had, I think the most wins they had at that point was seven in the, in a 40 game season. Um, the head coach comes up to me and he goes, great guy. Like I love him to death. And he goes, he saw me playing catch with a student outside. Um, (laughs) and he had heard about me already because he knew I coached, knew I played. Um, he's like, Hey, would you want to help out? And like, at the time I'm thinking like, man, I might have a full-time job. That means like recruiting. That means like doing a lot more work than I really want to do right now in coaching. I needed a break. And I, was, I started thinking about it, praying about it. And then I figured out, I was like, you know what, let's just do this thing. Let's, let's just help out. And I kind of laid some ground rules for him. I was just like, look, I'll show up to practices when I can, but I'm not going to recruit, but I'm going to plan. I'll, I'll help the team. I'll help manage the, the staff. And um, I realized I didn't have a pitching coach. And I, I pitched a little bit in college too. as I was a shortstop and a closer. And um, he's like, no, like just give me the pitching staff. I'll take over the pitchers. Cause they had like 365 walks. They had a walk for every day of the year. Ooh. The year before I got there, I was Ooh. like, you know what? They need a pitching coach. So I, yeah. I just took over the pitching staff. And honestly, like we weren't good. We, we won nine games my last season there as an assistant. And I, but that, truthfully, that's what rekindled my passion for coaching. Like mm. I built relationships with those players and got to see their growth in so much more than baseball. That, that That's what fired me up to keep doing it. Um, but funny thing is, is then I ended up taking a position at Belmont University in student affairs, thinking I, I was supposed to go coach in the, uh, the Jayhawk League out in Kansas that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up telling my good buddy, who's actually, he's one game away from making it to the NAI World Series as a head coach right now in Ottawa. And uh, so I ended up telling him, like, hey, I, I'm actually taking this job down in Nashville. I can't come work with you. And, um, and I ended up taking this job in student affairs at Belmont. I was in it for about four or five months. It's funny how my story works. Like this is the <laughs> unique part about it. And I thought I was done with coaching again and uh, I got the itch again. I was just like, man, I, I miss it. Like I miss student athletes. I miss investing in them. Um, and I emailed the head coach at Belmont out of the whim, gave him my resume, not even before I talked to my supervisor. And, uh, and this is a guy that's like, has he just set the school record for most wins ever at Belmont with like over 700 wins recently. Mm. Um, like a, just a phenomenal coach. And I sent him my resume. He actually knew my boss really well. They were good friends. And he asked him like, Hey, what do you think of this guy before he even talked to me? <laughs> and so my boss calls me in and I'm like, Oh man, like I'm in trouble. And he's yeah. like, Hey, we're gonna let you do this. And I'm like, do what? He goes, we're gonna let you coach with them. And I was like, okay. And before I even knew it was an opportunity and I ended up getting to coach with a 
division one coaching staff that, that, that year we had a phenomenal year. They were top 10 in seven offensive categories, like mm. second stolen bases, like sixth in home runs, um, just a phenomenal team that I got to be a part of because of a coach that gave me an opportunity. And that opportunity looked like paying a thousand dollars to try to, to be a student because in order of compliance, I had to be a student. So I was paying a thousand dollars to take another grad class that I already had my master's in just so mm. I could coach. Um, and then long story short, Karen job opened back up. The AD knew I was like coaching at Belmont. He said, she said, like, Hey, you want to come back and coach? And I was like, honestly, like, I, I don't think I can afford to. And, um, next thing you know, my wife and I, we, we didn't have kids at the time, took a leap of faith, came back. And the next thing you know, we had the opportunity to, to turn a, pro, a collegiate program around. And now I'm a GM of a new sports <laughs> complex that's being built. So, uh, long story, but that's how I ended up where I'm at now, which is every coach has a unique story. Uh, mine just is unique in a different way. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it, it's funny though, I guess, like you said, you kind of touched on why you're able to, I guess, do what you're able to do now. Cause you're going to have to manage different people and manage different, um, you know, those different sports and stuff like being at the complex, you know, and how you've had that, you've had a little bit of experience. Cause yeah, I was wondering, cause it's just be, you know, most people, if they do, if they were just in the game, you know, just coaching, I guess they don't realize that you had that little bit of experience, I guess, you know, being able to manage that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, like I said, like, I think I learned more when I was a college head coach um, from people that weren't in college coaching or in coaching in general. Um, one of the things that I did for a long time was I recognize that I can learn more from from business leaders about running a baseball program than I can sometimes from listening to just a baseball podcast or reading a baseball. Yeah. Um, so I actually I actually just tuned into this podcast called Entre Leadership. Um, and it just interviews business leaders from across the country, and I listen to like three or four a week every morning when I was getting ready to head into in, into the office. And I truthfully I learned more from that experience from those things and my experiences as student affairs and leading different people on how to lead and manage a baseball program than I did just listening or learning from baseball people. And I learned my fair share from baseball people. Don't get me wrong. Like I had to, um, but those are the things that really shaped how I ran a baseball. Like I, I, I was talking to one of our foreign players a couple of minutes ago and um, we were talking like, I like running Karen baseball was like running a, a business organization at time. Sure. Um, and that's kind of how we operated a little bit. So like you, you mentioned how all that experience kind of led to what I'm doing now, but coaching actually helped lead me to what I'm doing now too, not just all those other things too. So um, it was great. I think like you're, you're where you're supposed to be and, and God has you where you are for a reason. So I think for me, like it was, it was cool just to see like how everything building up to a certain point has helped me with whatever's next. Yeah. Like whatever this position is now is either going to help me be the best GM I can in five years because of what I'm learning today or whatever it is 10 years from now that I'm doing if I'm not running uh, an athletic complex. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's just really cool and unique to see how those things tie together and you don't see it when you're in it until you look nah. back. So. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. I, I think it's uh, very unique. You know, it's definitely like it's a, uh, we're always, we're training for something, whether we like it, whether we know it or not, but there's definitely always something we're training for, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh man, that's super cool. So like, man, you touched based on like, um, you know, a lot of relationship stuff, man. Like when you look back at some of those things and you said you, you just got done talking to a player, um, 
you know, how, 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 how were you able to build those relationships? You know, like, like would, was it, is it something that just kind of came natural to you? Were you pretty intentional about what you would do or uh, what were some of the ways that you would, you know, grow those relationships? Yeah. And so uh, I had a great, uh, I have a great, I mean, not had a great mentor. I still have a great mentor, uh, yeah. but his name's Kevin Wilson and we're really close and, and we talk a lot. And um, one of the things that he says a lot too is, is and it's, it's a quote from, from beyond him too, but just talking about like, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And right. it's, a, it's a quote that kind of stuck with me, but um, in, in a lot of different ways was for me, like I was really intentional with it. Like I, I'm a relational person but I also like the reason why I got into college coaching wasn't to just win baseball games. Like that was like, and this is part of my story. I got caught up in that a little bit too much at times where it ended up controlling me a little bit more than I wanted it to and how I wanted to coach. But um, at the same time, like for me, it was getting to see these young men. Like, so the player I was just talking to is actually working for us now nice. and coaching and, and mentoring like 13 and 15 year old kids. Like he's now doing what, what, I was trying to do with them. He's getting to do it on a different level. And um, so for me, I was just really intentional. And I actually heard uh, heard this on one of the podcasts I was listening to one time. And this was actually a baseball one. And um, a coach was, was kind of talking through this. And he said, I have to give more attention to that last player on the bench that's never going to play than I do to the kid that gets to hit in a three hole and play shortstop every single day. Because he gets the reward of playing. That player does, doesn't get the reward of doing that. And so with that, it wasn't that I ignored that player, but for me, like it was how many touches can I get on each player every single day? So what can I do to, to make sure I know this guy's thinking about me? Like, Hey, does this kid have a big test today? Like, let me shoot him a text and be like, Hey, like, how are you feeling about this test today? He goes, oh, I studied a lot. I was like, well, I'm thinking and praying for you, man. Like, hopefully, like, I, I think you're going to do great. You're going to crush it. And just like showing that you care about something outside of baseball allows them to see like, wow, he, I can trust this guy. Yeah, um, and it, it was genuine. It wasn't because I was trying to get something out of them from baseball. It was truly like I wanted them to grow in the classroom and as people and as baseball players. Um, and so I was just really intentional of making sure. And I told our assistants, we we sat in our office one day and we were drawing. Uh, I put a tree on the board and I, I got this from one of John Gordon's books. And um, and he was talking through this and I just kind of drew it. I, I drew a tree with roots like you could see the roots plainly. Then you had the trunk of the tree and then you had the fruit or basically the leaves of what was on the top of the tree. And we kind of worked our way backwards. We're like, all right, so what are we trying to produce here? And so we, we all kind of just brainstormed through some stuff up there. It was like, all right, we're trying to, I was like, anything, anything's fair game right here. It was like, somebody was like, uh, we're trying to produce better people. All right, great. Wrote that on there. Uh, we're trying to um, win baseball games. Great wins. Uh, we're trying to increase batting averages. We're, we're trying to get kids to graduate. Um, we're trying to make sure guys know how to treat their and take care of families and be great fathers. Um, and so I ended up filling this tree with like 50, 60 different things, mm. um, anywhere from baseball stuff to life stuff. Um, and then the trunk was, was pretty self-explanatory. It was kind of like, we just broke culture. Like our culture is what's going to drive those, those fruits and produce those fruits. But at the heart of it was really the roots. And like, you think about a tree, like the farther, uh, I was listening to this the other day and I love this analogy. So it was a story about this ecosystem that they created everything perfect in. It was this dome, this, this, like everything was perfect. Everything was supposed to grow naturally. Everything was going to be the strongest. And they basically created the, the best ecosystem they possibly could for everything to flourish. And eventually what they noticed was that the, the top of the trees started drooping. And they're like, well, why is this? Like everything's perfect. The trees are drooping. 
Um, and what it was talking about was the wind, there was no wind. There was no wind because they created this bubble. And what the wind did was it strengthened the roots. And mm. because the tree had to dig the roots deeper in order to make sure the top was strengthened. So that's why we really focused on the roots and the roots of what we did were relationships. And we wrote that. That's all it was, was relationships. And anytime we started going down a path that wasn't the right path, I was like, hey, are we focused on the relationships with our players? Um, and so some, well, even this is just like a practical thing, but every day of practice, we made sure that every player was called by their first name in some form or fashion. So we had 35, 40 guys on a roster. Every single player had to hear their name from one of us coaches at least once. And if we didn't, we didn't feel like we did our job that day. Um, and so, yeah, we were really intentional. Uh, I kept my office open and a lot of people like, there were times I had to close it and kick guys out to get work done, but <laughs> we, kept our, we kept our office open. Like I knew I had to get in the office by 8 a.m. because I knew by 10.30 to get my work done because I knew by 10.30 that my office was just gonna start cycling guys in and out. Mm -hmm. uh, and like we put a video game system in my office for a reason. Like I didn't play it that much. My wife thinks I played it more than what I did, but, um, but we wanted guys to come in because that's where some of the most natural conversations took place where guys actually started opening up about things that they were dealing with yeah. and they may have not otherwise. So yeah, like we were really intentional with relationships. Like it was, that's what we were about. And with those relationships, that means, yeah, we love those kids and we cared about them. We put our arm around them when we needed to, but because we were that close with them, it knew I could be tough on them and challenge them when I needed to because cool. they knew I cared about them. So yeah, like relationships, man, like we were really intentional with that. And um, that's something that, that, that I hope to continue in this role too, but that's that's a huge part. And I think some leaders miss that, like the, the ability to be transparent um, and the ability to show that you're human because I'm not perfect. I shared my story with the guys of the faults that I had. Um, to make them feel more comfortable in order to be able to open up to me as well. So that's always where I've, my heart's been, like no matter what role I've been in, whether it was coaching or, or leading uh, students in some other form or fashion, but was just to be able to help these guys. Cause these, these guys, these young men, like, as you know, go through more stuff than I ever had to deal with at that age. Like these guys are going through things that I'm like, man, like, man, like that's tough. And like, so for me, I wanted to be able to help them through that. So that's why the relationships were so important to me. Oh, for sure. No, nah, man. I mean, it's just honestly, and it's like John Gordon. You know, I love John Gordon as well. And he talks about what, you know, the numbers don't drive the people, the people drive the numbers, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's, it definitely starts with the people. Um, hundred percent. First and foremost, what was it? I'm just going back to, you said, you said you got, you kind of got caught up in the winds mm. and that kind of coaching. Like what was it? Somebody that stuck out to you and said, Hey man, like, what are we doing here? Was it, was it, was there a moment you like, where you caught yourself? Like, what was that? Yeah. No, I mean, I remember this moment exactly. So, um, so it was, it was our, it was our, it was my third year coaching. Right. And we had, we had a really talented team and I knew we did. Like we were, we finally had the pitching depth for, to some standpoint. Um, the kids that stuck around for me whenever I came in and started revamping the program stayed and they were, we had nine seniors that year. Um, really talented team, some freshmen that were key pieces that came in that were just tearing it up. And like, I knew we were going to have a really good team. Um, and so in my mind, I started getting so caught up, like, oh man, we're going to be really good. We're, we got to win games. And I started focusing on the wins. I started focusing on, all right, like, just like that quote you just said, like numbers don't drive the people, the people drive the people. Well, I was trying to let the numbers drive the people. Like it was like, all right, we're going to win baseball games. Mm -hmm. 
so we get to our spring break trip. So we're a Northern team. So we got to go South for spring break. We play about 12 games in 10 days. So it's pretty, um, it's a lot, but we weren't, we weren't playing well. We were losing to teams that on paper, we were 10 times better. And I remember specifically, um, we had a shortstop who great relationship with actually we're going to hang out with him and his family has to, has two kids now as well. So he's, he kept up with me, actually had a kid uh, his last year playing with me. He's married, has a kid and he was married, like playing shortstop at the time, didn't have any kids yet, but uh, one of those guys that got married really young, but he, mm-hmm. he, uh, I, I remember he made a decision on the field where I just like, I freaked out. I yelled like across the field. I was like, what are we doing? And like, I started spazzing out on him. And like, for people that know me, that's not like me. Um, and like all the players you get to see, like looked around, like, what is he doing? Like, what's getting into him? Um, and I, I was just struggling, man. Like we were losing. I was like, what's happening? I'm a terrible coach. Uh, one of my favorite players, like of all times, he's still there. It was, he only got to coach him for a year and a half. Um, but he like came up to you as a freshman this time. He goes, coach, he gave me a hug. He goes, coach, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm the worst coach in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that was like part of it. So like then the next day, like I was talking to my mentor, Kevin, Kevin Wilson. And uh, I was like, Hey, you got time for a phone call. And I, I took a walk every morning down there. Um, listen to listen to a podcast or something. But that morning I took a walk and just talked to him on the phone. And I was like, man, we're just not winning games. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like I'm frustrated. We're not winning. And he goes, Phil, like, how have you got your team to this point? Like when in the past two and a half years was, was the focus winning? Mm-hmm. all he had to say to me like asked me that question like when did the focus become winning and I said I guess the last couple of weeks <laughs> and uh and so like I was like shoot like you're right like I started focusing on winning and actually what in turn started happening is we started losing and so what happened was I ended up calling a team meeting before our next games and like we were sitting outside I kind of went through talking about different things and trials and started naming off some things that some of our players had gone through. Like I know one of our players, dad was diagnosed with cancer. Another one lost their grandmother. Another one lost their brother. I started saying those things are trials. And I said, losing baseball games, that's not really a trial. Like it's something we care about. We want to win, but that's not really a trial. And to be honest with you guys, I did a poor job of displaying that. I, I, I put winning as the ultimate thing. And I put winning above you guys as people. And, and helping you guys in that area that and I wanted to apologize like that's my fault like from here on out like we're going to get back to like what has got us here and that's focusing on each other and focusing on caring about one another more than we care about the, the end result of the game mm-hmm. I actually told our players like I was in the wrong like I was just like man I messed up and and I, and I didn't do that because I thought we were going to win more but what in turn happened was we ended up winning yeah and that was the first time ever that we set the school record for school wins we won our first playoff game we made it to the championship game and played really two like close games, like two, three run ball games with a team that's won the conference 16 straight years in a row. Mm. Um, and we like, we had the best year in Karen history to date. And it was, we weren't focused on winning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you could tell at the end of the season when we lost that last game um, that guys were more upset because it was over and they didn't get to spend more time with each other than they were about not winning the, the, the CSAC championship. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, that was just the, that was the epitome of it for me. Or I was like the pinnacle where I was just like, it's cool to see that these guys now have relationships for the rest of their life that 
they get to, they get to grow. They get to call me. They get to be like, coach, like I'm getting married. Like coach, I'm having my first kid. Um, Hey coach, like I'm having a really hard time with this. Can you like kind of talk to you? Like those things like are, are just the, the, the coolest piece of that. But that was the moment that it switched for me was my, like, and I think that's where I have mentors are so valuable that I wouldn't have grasped that if I hadn't have met Kevin who kind of like pushed himself into like being my mentor. Cause I was like, I don't need a mentor. Like I'm, I'm fine. Right. But he kind of like knew, he saw that I needed one and knew that <laughs> I needed one and basically made like, made me get a mentor whether it was him or not and (laughs) and that's where like he pointed that out to me he called me out and I think that's where you need people in your life that are going to call you out that way so that was the moment for me that I really turned around yeah that's super cool man relationships and you know like how man like so I'm just I guess getting intentional about your relationships and I guess talking about the people and and uh yeah I mean uh I just I find it how, um, I guess, because it probably just comes so natural to you. And I'm saying I'm more, definitely a process guy, but people talk about that all the time. But like, you know, it, let's say if a person's struggling with that, like, what would you, what would, what would your advice be to a guy that's, you know, going to gonna make that switch, you know, like try to feel like they need to be more relationship driven and just kind of not really focus on the end result. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to do, right? Yeah. Like, it's scary. I mean, I, I, I can just think of somebody right now, like, it's probably like, oh yeah, it's great. Easy for him to say, you know? Yeah. And, and and here's the thing, like everybody's situation is different. I was fortunate enough to coach at a place that, and I I probably would have got fired eventually if I didn't win a game for five years um, because I would have been doing something wrong, but I was fortunate enough to be in a place that did value that. Um, And so like, for me, like I got to do that. Okay. But what, what, what made me realize that, that was being in a place like that, seeing that, has now allowed me to see that no matter what position or where I'm at, I'm going to operate the same way. I'm not going to focus on the bottom dollar or the wins or, or how much money we're going to make, or you focus on the people. And if you focus on the people, those things are going to take care of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, like, especially from a coaching world, right? So we think about wins in the coaching world. Like that's what defines us. Mm -hmm. Like people are defined by wins. In, when it comes to what how the view the world views us as coaches right but if you can switch that a little bit and say how does what does my value truly mean as a coach and if that means like i get i got to help impact uh, a father that's going to be a father eventually to help grow a family and help raise young men that are going to continue to grow be a great husband um, or go into the business world and be a great leader and help impact millions of people as a ripple effect of just being able to do that um, is more valuable than if I was going to turn that same guy into the best baseball player that I ever could have. And in reality, I haven't, I've had one player that I've coached play professionally in the independent level and outside, like other than when I was at Belmont, there's some guys that played pro ball at that, but at Karen, all of our guys were going to go do something else other than play professional baseball. Right. So for me, where that's the majority of the coaches, even if you're at some of these biggest schools, like largest schools in the country, like the majority of your guys are going to end up doing something other than playing professional baseball. Oh yeah. And so like, how are they going to, how are you going to help them be able to impact more people through that? And so like, that would be my advice to just like, all right. So like, like I couldn't tell you like, 
like Trey, like I don't know how many wins you had when you were a coach. Mm-hmm. Just like you probably can't tell me unless you want to look it up how many wins I had as a coach during my career. So if we get out of our own bubble and we realize like how small we actually, how small of a piece we actually are, those wins don't hold as much clout. Um, and I get it. Like at bigger schools, if you don't win, you don't keep your job. But I would also say that if you're too much focused on winning, you're not actually going to win in the first place. Um, I think the coaches that do understand that are able to win long term. So for me, like that's where my advice would be. It's such a tough thing. Like you're right. Yeah. Oh, it's easy for him to say, but it is like you, if you start focusing on the people first, the outcomes will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. You know, and and like I said, the kids want to play for you. The kids, you know, you can push the kids, you know, it's not like everything's all hunky dory, you know, but like, like you said, I think Pat somewhat even said those things. And that's a lot of things I read reading her books and what she did, like, Everybody saw how tough she was, but people don't realize like how much of a relationship she had with those players, mm-hmm. you know? So when you do that, you're able to really, really push, you yeah. know, um, when you are invested into them and you know who their mom, you know, you know, their mom, you know, their friends, you know, like you said, you know, when they have a test, you know, and then you're that invested where you can really dig in, dig yeah. into them when they need to be. Yeah, exactly. And I, one of my favorite things we did was we wrote a letter to every player at the end of each semester and at the beginning of each season. Awesome. Uh, like you hand wrote a letter to every player. Hand wrote a letter to every player, put it in their mailbox. You did or like the whole staff, everybody just chose person. Uh, so I, I would write a letter personally. And then oh, you our, did. Coaching, our coaching staff ended up just following suit. I didn't make them, but they ended up okay. writing letters to each of their positions that they coached. Like their position oh, cool. players. Um, and that's something that, that I just thought was so valuable. That's something we did throughout the recruiting process, um, as well as what we did when they showed up on campus. Like I had their hat and a letter from me sitting on their desk when they walked into their room their first day of being on campus. Um, and so those are, those are the touches. Those are the pieces that like, man, coach took time to write me a letter. And um, that shows that you care about them more than what they're going to do on a baseball field. Um, and don't get me wrong. Not every player playing for me. Yeah. I had players that quit. Yeah. I had players that didn't like how I coached. Um, but if you like, I, they're a coach. And I, I read this post on a player that ended up leaving our program. And he's actually since reached out to me, but I read a post, he actually getting an opportunity to play somewhere else again. Uh, and he, I just read his post and it wasn't directed towards me or anything that I necessarily did, but it was just saying because of like my selfishness and, and some injuries and the, my poor attitude at a previous school, I didn't get the opportunity to play, but now like I've been able to grow and now I get the opportunity to do this again. And that was just cool just to read the growth from that standpoint, whether I had something to do with that or not, Mm-hmm. he was growing and he got to be more self-aware from that so like those are the things man as a coach that you just start to see and as a leader not just a coach but like you see that in any position that you are if you can care for your people they're going to do what they like they're going to like you said play harder for you yeah harder because they respect you yeah uh, and it doesn't mean i didn't have my tough conversations where guys didn't agree with me like i had plenty of those um and that's okay we disagreed but you know what at the end of the day like they still knew that i loved and so yeah. I think that's a really cool part through that. And it's not an easy thing for coaches to open up sometimes. Uh, and it might be a little bit more in my nature to do that. Um, yeah. I've seen that from people, but um, yeah, it's just pretty, it's pretty cool to see how that actually impacts people through that. Uh, super cool, man. You know, super cool. I've been really fortunate. Uh, been having a multiple conversation with Sheets, Jeremy Sheetinger. Oh, yeah. And you remind me very much of him. Like he just, because that's the big switch he'd made is, is is to do that um but it'd be so vulnerable though like his thing is he loves he wants to be vulnerable and show his vulnerability yep. and i think that's what you really do i think it seems like you know like 
you show that you're vulnerable and authentic, you know, that's, those are big things that she loves to talk and he talks about all the time. Um, you know, I reach out, we talk and, and so that really reminds me that you just how authentic you are. And it seems like you're very vulnerable and put yourself out there. You know, I think kids, you know, kids are all into that, you know, and I do that a lot myself as well, you know, especially even just being a teacher, you know, just tell kids about my story, you know, and then, you know, how you are, you know, like, I'm an imperfect person right here. You know, don't feel like I'm just sitting up here talking like this helps me too, you know? And exactly. so those kind of things together, but Hey man, I, I just thinking about this, man, like just going on the same trail. Now that you're putting on a different hat, you know, you're doing travel baseball with the power ballers. Like how do you see the, to be able to coach that way now with the travel team that you might just have, like how, how do you see that, that, that happening now? Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like I, I think, um, and so Kevin has done, a, uh, the owner, Kevin Moyes, the, the owner of the, and started this organization for his son. His son's a junior in high school right now. And so I'm coaching his son and th that group of guys that's been with him since he started this organization. Um, and so he's done a great job of getting them to this point of where they're at, um, where they're already respectful. They play the game the right way. They get to, like, they, they enjoy showing up and playing. And now for me, like, and that's, like, truthfully, that's why I felt comfortable jumping on board to this position and leaving college coaching. Um, it was the toughest decision that me and my family ever had to make. Um, we had two kids, like, we had a second boy on the way. Um, so that puts some things in perspective. I know we had a conversation before jumping on here just about, like, things putting, family puts things in perspective at times, and coaching mm -hmm. is a lot of time. Um, yes. And travel ball is a little bit different. I know you're involved with travel ball as well. And um, not as time consuming as like a high school or a college season at times, but, um, but that's why I felt comfortable jumping on board with the Powerballers in this organization, because that's how they built this is through relationships. My wife and I showed up for like our, our interview day, we showed up to their house, we're, we're talking with them, we went out to lunch with them. And while we were standing in the living room, they were about to have practice. Um, and there was a coach coaching team and um, the players just kind of started rolling into their house. They just started kind of hanging out. Like they had a TV out on their, on their porch outside. It was a nice day to, to put the TV up, started watching the Phillies game. Um, and they just started rolling in. And it was just like, it reminded me of my office where the players were oh, coming man. in. And I was like, man, like they care about the same things that I care about. I can work with these people. Mm -hmm. and so for me, like talking about continuing that was it's already started. Okay. I just now get to be a part of that where I'm seeing the relationships with these players uh, start to bond. Like I'm, I'm seeing that through our winter workouts that I got to spend time with them. I'm seeing that just through the simple text of getting to ask how they're doing or seeing how they're coming. And it's early on in that relationship with some of these guys. Some of them I have a better relationship with others because I've just been around them more. Um, but the same thing, it's just, it does the, the formula doesn't change, but the people do. Mm -hmm. so if you can focus on still that process driven. I know it's a buzzword, but like focusing on um, continually finding the way to, to know who they are as a person, know how they tick. Now these kids are dealing with a whole different set of pressures than what the college kids I was dealing with. These kids are all really talented baseball players that are trying to get recruited at the end of a pandemic. Um, and they're trying to figure out what's next for them. Where am I going after school? Where am I going here? And like the nature of the recruiting world and travel baseball has put all these pressures on these kids that, all right, how can I help them navigate that as a former college coach to help them find the right fit, but also not forget that they still get to enjoy two more years 
of playing high school baseball and in in summer baseball and having fun with it. Mm. Like you don't want to lose sight of that. So I think for me, like I'm building relationships in different ways of helping them, like learning how, Hey, how can they navigate this? How can they navigate the pressure of getting to play in a championship game for their high school team that a lot of the guys, like half of our team got to play in their championship game for their league last night in different leagues. Mm. Um, And so how like the pressures of that, or how do I deal with this player that may not be leading the right way? Or how do I deal with this player that um, is battling back from an injury? Or how do I deal with this player that went through a slump for the first time in his life? Like, those are the different things that now I'm helping navigate differently, but the same way because I'm learning who they are and getting to know them as people first before trying to interject and change anything that they're doing. Like if you're not listening to somebody first, and I think for some reason, human nature and as coaches, we feel like we have to talk mm-hmm. in order to, to change people or help them. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just sit and listen. Um, they don't need to hear us say a word, but sometimes just being present and being available for them is the best thing we can do. And I think sometimes as coaches, we try to talk too much. Myself included, I had to learn that. Like I, I, I said too much. I tried to interject after every swing. I tried to, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this after every single thing that they did. And soon enough, they're just gonna tune me out anyway. But also part of that's helping them navigate and figure out how to like make adjustments on their own, how to figure things out without me telling them how to do it. And then when the time and place comes, then I can interject and say, hey, try this or ask the right question to get them to get to the right spot. Instead of just saying, hey, do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that's what I had to learn where if you maybe came to a practice right now, I may not say a whole lot, but I'm just listening. I'm observing. All right, next practice, I'm going to have this conversation with this kid or this time I'm going to have a conversation with this kid. But same thing. It's just listening, being present and just getting to to know these 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 young men as as people first so then you can in turn help them as ball players too um and it's all intertwined life and baseball i think is just you learn the same thing like uh, baseball like some of these kids just don't know how to handle failure yet i didn't when i was a high school or even a college athlete i didn't know how to handle failure and if if there's nothing better in life other than baseball to teach you how to handle failure then i'm not sure what it is right like those are the cool parts that i get to help now that may, some of these kids may have already been taught by their high school coaches. I now get to be a part of that end. And I get to see the other side of the recruiting process where I've been on the other side. And now I get to help them be like, hey, yeah, this, is, this should be a coach that you should be interested in. Mm-hmm. Or hey, that was just a mass email that got sent to you because they want you to come to your, their camp. Right. So I get to help them navigate that now, um, which is really fun for me in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, diving into that, man. Like, so have you seen that recruiting has changed? So even from the time that where you where you were recruiting and where things are now, with you know, in terms of recruiting, like, has recruiting changed much? And what are you, I guess, um, kind of helping guys through that process? Yeah, I mean, so obviously when I was recruiting at Karen, I didn't focus too much on what other schools were doing recruiting wise. Right. Uh, like for me, I was focused on what we were doing. I was going to recruit guys the way that I felt like we needed to. And that was laying out exactly who we are as a program and a university. And if they chose us, great. If not, that meant they weren't the right fit for us. Um, and maybe they were the right fit, but another school was a better fit. And um, I never took offense to a kid saying no. I actually really appreciate when kids called and told me no. Like, I was like, hey, like, thanks for calling me. Right. If anything changes, let me know. Right. Um, and so, like, 
to answer that question, the same things have changed. I, I don't know if I can answer that from perspective. Uh, okay. Because I like coach at Karen, but I can't answer it this way is I'm learning that every single college coach and every single program recruits different. Um, I, I was, I was, I've got to build a great relationship with a lot of coaches, especially in this region from being on the recruiting trail and getting to spend nine to 12 hours a day at a baseball field, sitting beside the same coach all day, you get into some pretty deep stuff, Sure. Uh, especially when there's not good baseball going on at times. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's where, like, I was reaching out to a college coach like, Hey, what are you guys looking for for your 2022 class? Cause that's what most of our guys are. Yeah. Hey, we're actually only looking for like a, a switch hitting shortstop. Like that's all we need it left. And I'm like, wow. And then I'll reach out to another division one school and they'll say like, we're wide open for 2022. Hmm. And so like, that's where, like, I think it, it just all depends on how each program recruits. Um, some programs recruit like a lot differently than others. And so like, I think it has changed in the sense that videos are more valuable now than what they were. Mm. where now people are using video to like say like hey i should really start talking to this guy or hey i'm gonna really make sure this kid's decent on video before i go check him out i will be the first to say that i've misread people through video good and bad where i've got to see them playing and on video they look terrible but i went to watch them play i'm like wow this kid's really good okay uh, but i will say like from a recruiting standpoint like every school is different every school is different and that's what i would encourage guys to, to understand of saying like hey like just because you haven't been contacted yet doesn't mean that there is an opportunity for you out there. There is an opportunity if you want to play college baseball at some level. 100%. And I, I think kids miss, it's like D1 or bust sometimes. For yeah. Some of the kids. And I tell you what, like we saw five starters from one of the top teams in our conference and every one of them was thrown above 90. So mm -hmm. Like there's good baseball at every level in weird division three programs. So mm -hmm. we had a handful of guys that were touching throwing over 90s. So yeah. like, I think that's where kids don't understand that until they actually get out there and see that. And hopefully that's what I can help them with. I do think we have division one players on our team. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I think there are kids that are capable of that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best fit for them. And Absolutely. so I think that's where hopefully on this end, I, I can help with that, navigate that with them. I, I can't tell them where to go. Like that's not my job. That's their decision to make. Um, but in the recruiting sense, like it has changed because up in, I guess a couple of weeks from now, like they can get back on the road again, which I'm right. really, so many people are excited about, um, including on both ends. But I will say like, it, it, it just depends on what coach you talk to or what program you talk to power five schools. Yeah. They're probably not looking to fill too many 2022s now. They probably have that pretty much wrapped up. Right. Um, but there are a lot of schools out there that are like, Hey, we're waiting until we got to see them in person. So like really lock them in. So um, it has changed in that sense where it's not as predictable or as uniform across the board because every school is different and every coach is different in how they want to recruit. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like I, I, like I recruited differently at Karen than a lot of other people did, um, but that doesn't mean it was the best way to do it. And it doesn't mean that somebody else's way was wrong. It's just the way that we did it. So to answer that question, it's a loaded answer. Um, but I think that's what the recruiting phase looks like right now for kids and, is navigating that. I think a lot of a lot of people think that COVID has ruined all their chances, but I also think you're finding that a lot of kids may not want to stay that extra year because they want to start to move on with their life because they got their four, three and a half, four years of baseball in yep. and they're happy with their career and they okay. want to go on to start their family. They want to go on to start their career. Um, and so I don't think it has impacted it to some extent, but I do think there's going to be opportunities for kids still out there no matter what.
Oh, 100%. There will be, you know. No, I agree. You know, it, 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 like you said, I, I just think it's such a real answer. You know, like it, you could say loaded, but it's it's real. It's it, it's it also shows that you're going to help each kid out and it, each kid's out a different fit, a different journey, you know, and it just goes to show that. And it's such a real answer, you know, and I appreciate that, man. It's really awesome. Um, you know, I, I mean, from the standpoint, like some guys, some coaches are just like kind of our team camp. Like they're kind of, kind of this prospect camp. Like that's how they recruit. Like they're big into like come yeah. to our camp, you know? And so, um, but like Frostburg, Frostburg, like they're like big into that, like come to our yeah. prospect camp, you know? So if you got a guy like that, they're on, they're like, they, they want you to come to this prospect camp and mm-hmm. um, guys are like that. But so it's, yeah, it's just a great answer though. It's a great, it's a real answer. It's, it, you know, it really shows that, you know, you're going to be helping your, helping your kids and what you're trying to do. And each individual kid just have a different plan for them. Yeah, Super and I mean, cool. like with the team camp stuff too. Like I, I was sitting at a team camp at a Division One school that I was working and recruiting at, and I saw a pitcher get offered a 65, 70% scholarship on the spot. So like, that's what I mean. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I think just, <laughs> and for me, and where I, my viewpoint is, and not everybody's viewpoint is this way, is the kids should go and look at, hey, what schools do I think are good fits for me? And then go after those schools in that way. But then they also have to be willing to take good critique of saying like, hey, I just don't know if you're ready to play at that school yet. Mm-hmm. But hey, here are some schools I think you may be that may be similar to what you're looking at. So that, that's a take that I have on it, too. So no, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff, Phil. Great stuff. Oh, buddy. Great, 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 great stuff. Um, looking. So I would almost venture to say um, that this real the relationship side of things is probably the best thing that you would probably do coaching wise because i'm just kind of getting into like what you know do you feel because like, you, you kind of mentioned about practice too you said like you know if you would see a practice right now you would be talking and you'd be kind of um thinking and asking we get ready for your questions and the conversations so what what does that practice look like now you know like what is it what what do you like about practice um you know that developmental side yeah. Well, I, I think that's, I mean, that's where baseball games are won, by the way, is the development. Like in, and at Karen, like I had to, like we had as a coaching staff, we had to create an environment where kids developed because we couldn't get that. We didn't always, sometimes we did. We didn't always get that top-notch player that was going to come in and be like the dude or the guy right away. Like, right. And I, I think that's where I like, development looks different everywhere but for us practice looked a lot like freedom like honestly like for us practice when I was at Karen we haven't got to have we actually just had our first 18 or 17 you practice for the power ballers tonight um and it was pretty relaxed a lot of our guys are still in the playoffs so we're right. not working them not doing a whole lot with them yet um just got some hacks in the cage and whenever some base stealing stuff but um like for me, like at Karen and some players like didn't know how to take it at first, but it was freedom. Like what I tell guys was, Hey, if you have a strength coach, like come talk to me about what that strength coach is doing with you. Show me the plan that you guys have developed together. And like, let's go over that. And then if it's helping you get better and you're growing the right way, and we don't think it's going to hinder your development, do that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be our way. Right you're getting better. You can do it your way. 
Um, just like for, for us, like we didn't have a cookie cutter system for any position, any player across the board. Development and practice looked like for us was treating every single player like their own individual because they are. Every single player is created differently. Every single player has a different swing. Every single player thinks about the game differently. Every single player has had a different experience leading them up to this point. And so like for me, how can I go and coach a team and run a practice where I'm coaching every single player the exact same way? It doesn't mean they're not doing some of the same drills or some of the same work, but within those drills, within those work, there's always maybe a different purpose or a different focus. So for us, it was most important for guys to have a purpose behind what they did rather than how they did what they did. Okay. So like we had some pictures like, and like my first, and this is where I had to learn as a coach. This is where I'm not perfect. My first two, my first year and a half was like, this is what we're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. Or like too bad. That was my, that was my philosophy the first two, first year and a half. Mm-hmm. And something like kind of clicked with me, like and through conversations with, with close people where I was like, why does that have to be the case? Just like everybody doesn't lead the same way. Like there are people, I, I love John Gordon, but there are people that like think John Gordon's crazy for always being positive. Right. And like, I'm not saying that's wrong either because I think there are people that are uh, naively optimistic. And I think there are some times where you have to approach the the crap that's there. And I'm not saying that John Gordon doesn't do that because I think he does, but like that's where leadership is it's different for all people, just like it is for every player. Like, so for me, like you might see, you might show up to a practice, you might see a pitcher really focusing on long toss. Like that's how they're strengthening their arm. Long toss program, organized, but there's a purpose behind it. There's a schedule behind it. Then you might see another guy doing the weighted balls that's capable of doing that because their body's built the way that where they can handle that and they're doing it the right way without hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. But there were certain players that should never even touch a weighted ball because they're not even strong enough to, to get a baseball across the infield diamond, like at a, a decent velocity. So there's like the muscle isn't built up. They don't move properly. So why would we be throwing a weighted ball in their hands if they're not moving properly? And so for us, like it looked different for every single person. So just to give a tangible example, so that's one, but from a hitting standpoint, our hitters got to tell us what their BP rounds were. Cool. So my first year, it was like, hey, first round's going to be middle, mid-oppo round, like middle of the opposite field. Second round's going to be pull round. Second round's going to be gap to, third round's going to be gap to, like, like just, I'm just giving examples. And I, I told them what it was. Mm-hmm. After that, I was like, man, like, that didn't help that kid because he only hits the ball to the right side and actually has to catch it out front a little bit more in order to get a, like a little bit more behind it. So like, why am I telling this kid to do that when he actually needs this? Yeah. So if you showed up and watched batting practice, I'm just saying, I'm kind of hanging out behind the cage, not saying a whole lot observing, but that's because of all the conversations we've had leading up to that. And you'll see me pull a guy, have a conversation, but a lot of time you'll hear the question of like, Hey, what were you trying to do there? What was your purpose behind that round? And if they can't tell me a purpose, and I'm like, hey, before you step back in the cage again, you got to tell me your purpose behind why you're doing that. And if he doesn't know how to answer that, that's where we have that conversation and we help them answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for one guy, it may be like, hey, every single round, like like maybe he was just struggling like um, with his timing whenever fastball and curveball timing. So it was like, hey, coach, I just really need to see fastballs and curveballs in BP today. So we throw him fastball curveballs. He just needed to see the spin just to kind of stay back and be able to stay through the middle. Um but then there were some guys that they needed to just stay middle to opposite field because 
that's what would keep them on time in the game. Um, so for me, like practice looked different for every single player. There was structure and I had a practice plan for everything that we did, but within those structures was a lot of freedom that we gave our guys. We set the guardrails up so like they could hit, they could run in the guardrail, go into the ditch, but we'd always kind of push them back to the middle, but they still got to choose the road that they're on with the guardrails on the side. So for me, like that's what practice looks like. It's a lot of freedom. It's a lot of what's your purpose. Doesn't mean your purpose is the same as this guy. Doesn't mean this drill is the same drill that you should be doing. So early on my first year, you would have saw a drill set that every single player was going to go through. Later in my coaching career, one or two years in, there were, there rarely be a player doing the same drill because they didn't need the same thing. So that's a, that's what practices looked like for me was a lot of freedom within the structure of what we created as, as a culture and a team. Yeah. So now with the younger kids, 17, you kids, 2022s, do they still have the same freedom or how are you able to intertwine that, that freedom maybe with also like they just don't know and you have to show them. Yeah. So I think that's where the communication piece and asking the questions to really figure out if they know the one thing that, so I've, so I've got to help out with a lot of different teams. So we have a 12 U team all the way up to 17 U. So I actually got to spend a lot of time with 12 U because they've been practicing for a couple months. So I go to all their practices, got to spend time with them. What I realized with those kids is that, and they've won like, and so like they won their first championship, they won their first tournament, they won the championship or played pretty really well in their first tournament. That was a really tough tournament, won their second tournament, their third tournament, and this was like, because we were doing certain things at practice with them. They were having a purpose behind what they did. Their third, they got smoked by teams that were not nearly as good as them. And they're 12 years old. And so you have a 10-year-old, so you kind of, you, you know, mm-hmm. the span at times. Um, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, so that's even worse. But, <laughs> like, you realize that you have to remind them a lot more than what you may a college student. College students, don't get me wrong, still need to be reminded. Right but you have to remind these kids a lot more about what their purpose is. And so they went 0 and 3 against bad teams. We reminded them of what their purpose, our hitting coordinator, Justin and myself and a couple other coaches, we reminded them what their purpose was when they were hitting. Next thing you know, they go out and they 10 run ruled every single team they played the next weekend in the same tournament with the same talent. And the teams that they probably beat like that were better teams than what they lost to the weekend before. Hmm. But it was because they were focused on the right purpose. So, to answer your question, is it different? In some ways, yes, but I think it's just more of a reminder. It's more reminding them constantly of an understanding of like, you got to over-communicate things with, with them at times. And you just got to constantly remind them. Just like I need reminders from people. It may happen every three weeks versus every three days. But right now they just need that reminder every every couple of days to be able to stay on that same track. And, and that's kind of the difference. These are still young men, especially the 17 you guys that I'm coaching. Sure. And they've, they've been through this organization for five years now, four or five years. So they have a pretty good grasp on what purpose is because that's already been entwined in what they do. So for me, I'm kind of coaching them similarly, but in the sense of like 12 of you guys, it's like, you got to remind them almost every 10 minutes of what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. These guys kind of like college where it's like, all right, talking them through, walking them through their purpose. The guys that may be just joining the new players, you remind them what their purpose is. You kind of help them with different drill sets that might get them to where they need. You see what their swing's doing. You evaluate them. And so for me, like if I'm giving a lesson or teaching a kid, I sit and we hit off a tee or do front toss. Like I'll watch them for 10 to 15 minutes before I ever give them anything. Mm -hmm. Because I want to see what they're doing first. And so 
before I can, because I can't teach a kid unless I know them. And so that's kind of how I incorporate what you, what I was saying earlier with the freedom. They still have freedom. You're just asking the, the better questions to get them to that point and help them have that freedom and help them come up with the answer themselves. Because when they come up with the answer themselves, one, they have more ownership, but two, they also like are going to remember it. And so that's kind of where we're at with that, that how I, I'm approaching it now. I haven't had too many practices with them, mm-hmm. but I will tell you something like coaching the 12 of you guys was a whole new experience for me that I had to learn a lot about. Like it was different. Yeah. And I realized like these kids are not going to stay focused through an hour and a half practice all the time. Right. Like just the other day we was with our, the head coach for the 12 of you team, helping them out. And they had the worst defensive work they've ever had. And we kind of pulled them in and just reminded them of purpose and, and, staying focused. And then they had the best BP round of their lives. They had the worst first half practice ever, and then had the best second half practice ever. And, but that's like, just to my point where it's just, I had to learn what that looks like coaching 12 of you, mm-hmm. which I was excited about. Cause like my, I have two young boys now, like one's only seven months and one's almost three. Like I'm going to get to teach them and do that the same way when they're older. And that's like a really cool thing where I'm learning how to do that now. So as they get to that age, like I have to learn how to simplify things even more than what I did, because I always think you understand it better. If you, if you can simplify things, you understand it better, but to explain it to a 12 you, you have to simplify it even more because oh, they don't yeah. understand what you're simplifying, say for a 17, you guys. So right. um, that's kind of how I approach that. It's a, it's really similar, similar process, just may take a little bit more time, a little bit more. Uh, intentionality on a daily basis rather than maybe a weekly basis okay uh, so really cool oh man was, um you know just thinking about you know just just with your new role and all because I know you like to talk leadership I know you like to you know I, I'm sure within your program you know like you were talking about the fruits you know and and um and you kind of mentioned how the power ballers, you know, like within the organization, it seems like, you know, these lessons and principles are being taught. Like, how are you, inter- how can you intertwine like those leadership lessons that you just love uh, and you can tell that you're about, how are you intertwine? how do you intertwine those with, within this, the, the travel ball setting, the power ball setting now? Yeah. So in the same sense, like, so even when the, when the athletic facility is built and uh, getting to ever see that and work with employees and getting to see that um, the, the same, the same principles consist of, but also like I, I told you before we even hopped on, was just like getting the opportunity to be a part of a new challenge. Yeah. I, like at Karen, like truthfully, I kind of felt like I hit a ceiling of what we were going to be able to accomplish until certain things happen. Okay. Um, and actually like, so like I was told they were going to build a field like from day one when I got there never saw it two weeks after I like a month, not two weeks, but a couple months after I left, they broke ground on the new fields. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for me, like, I kind of took that as like, God knew I was supposed to move on. And sometimes like you, your resources have to be dried up at a certain spot in order for you to basically be kicked out of that spot. So for me, like the resources were drying up for me. Didn't mean the next person that came into that program, resources were going to be dried up for the, for them. But for me, they kind of dried up and I felt like I was kind of hitting a ceiling, like kind of felt like I was hitting like the top of the ceiling. I was like, I can't get any farther yet. Like I can't get there. I can't get there. And to me, like, I was like, all right, I think we accomplished what what I was going to accomplish being there. Um, And so for me, like this new opportunity came on as difficult as it was to leave those players and those guys that I still love them dearly and still talk to a lot of them, um, went to several of their games this year. 
it was a, the new opportunity, the new challenge that all of a sudden that ceiling kind of went away. And now like the ceiling feels like a mile away and like I'm learning and being challenged on a daily basis. And so one thing that I had to learn was honestly, and this is just being the vulnerable and transparency piece was I didn't realize how much I loved being in control. <laughs> I, I, I truthfully, I did not realize that until I took this position. Um, I liked being able to make all the decisions. I liked being able to like, be able to, to just go here, go here, go do this, do that. Um, and now I don't have that same control yet. And I don't, I, I, I don't know if I, if I ever will. And I think that's okay because I had to learn that about myself. And part of that was just trusting people more. Um, and the, the owners are just phenomenal people and like learning how to trust them within the seven months I've been working with them has been just incredible and getting to all of us grow together and getting to see us all push this in the same direction has been just an awesome experience. And, um, and so like kind of taking those principles where it's going to look a little bit different now because like, I'm not, I'm not the top dog. And that's okay. Like I, I, I need to be in that position sometimes. I need to be able, and like I said this to somebody the other day, I was like, I don't think you can be a great head coach until you're a great assistant coach. Just like for me, like I can't be a great leader until I know how to be led by somebody else. And so like I had those moments where I was led by other people and I finally got into this leadership role at a certain position. And now I'm kind of learning and being led in a different way now. And so like, but now I also can lead differently too in this role. Like I get to lead and in different ways, like I, I get to leave by giving certain suggestions. It doesn't mean that's what they're like, what's going to happen, but I get to just lead by serving. And for me, like that's exciting, but it took me six to seven months to get to that position where like, okay, like no, my role right now is to serve and, and to do what, whatever I need to do to help take the load off of what building a multi-million dollar complex it probably has on the weight of the owner's shoulders. Like that's a big deal, especially when they care this much about this area and this much about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, like I'm still, I have to tell myself that every day, there's days where I get frustrated with myself because I get frustrated because like, Oh man, I wish I could do this, this, and this, but I'm like, wait, Phil, like just slow down. Like you're there, you're in this position because maybe like you're not supposed to be in control. Maybe it is to serve people. Maybe it is to be able to help people in this way. Um, and so now for me, it's just like continue to get to know and work with the owners better. Um, and it's funny, like we joke about it all the time, the, the three of us, Kevin, Terry, and myself, and um, we kind of joke about it a little bit of just learning each other. We're learning how to work with each other. I, and so part of that relationship piece is just learning who they are, how they operate. Um, and the same way they're learning who I am. Like we didn't have a previous relationship with this. We just had a mutual friend that connected us together. Um, so for me, like, that's what leadership looks like right now is serving. Like it, mm -hmm. it's serving. Like it's, and sometimes that's what it looks like. Sometimes it doesn't look like making decisions. And as much of a challenge as that is for me at times, like it, it's the role I'm supposed to be in. And that's what it looks like is serving and building those relationships through that way. So serving the players that I'm coaching, serving every employee that comes through the door. Um, so that's kind of what those principles look like right now for me. They shift a little bit but all under the same concept of like the relationship piece is I'm serving them because I care about them and because I want to help. And it doesn't mean I'm helping them like accomplish things. Like they're really smart people. Like we have a great group of people around us, uh, but it's just serving because like, I just, just to serve, like not because they need me to serve or I need to serve because it makes me feel better, but I'm serving because like, that's what I think we're called to do in certain roles and certain positions, even as leaders. Like, even if you're making all the decisions, how are you serving? How are you um, 
continually doing that. I learned this from Coach Sheehan at Millersville, um, but like the top, the, like the upside down triangle he goes by was like leaders. Like the, for me, like at Karen, coaches in, in the seniors ate last. Like we ate last. Like we were the last ones in line, no matter where we went. Sometimes that meant we didn't get the chicken at Chipotle because they didn't have enough cooked. <laughs> Sometimes that meant like it actually every time, like the seniors were responsible for getting the equipment to and from the buses or to and from the field every day. Um, coaches, we were responsible for sweeping and cleaning the dugouts, picking up the trash. Uh, and then we wanted guys to take responsibility and pick it up themselves. But like, for me, like we were responsible of doing that. So um, yeah, it looks different now to be honest with you. It does look yeah. different, but still with that same sense of like, all right, instead of making decisions, it's like, all right, how can I serve today? How can I serve? Like, what can I do? Like, mm-hmm. what can I do just to make your make make it a little bit easier for you guys, um, or what, make it easier for the coaches, or make it easier for the players to do what they need to do? So, um, don't get me wrong, that's a daily struggle for me. Um, like, and that's where like I, I've I learned like even early on when I was like, man, should I left coaching? Should I do this? Should I do that? Even through some of the challenges. But like I look back and I see how much I've grown in six months because I wasn't at that ceiling. I got comfortable at Karen. Yeah. Where I was just kind of coasting. Like everything was a well-oiled machine. Like we were at a point where like I felt like if I left, everything was just gonna keep going. And so um that's where like now it's like, man, we're creating something from scratch as far as the facility goes. And but we're taking the same principles from what we did in the past. So it's a lot of fun, it's challenging, but I have to like remind myself of that daily basis. Like it's a daily Mm. struggle that I still struggle with. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy for me every day to do that. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like right now. I know that's maybe not the same answer to the same question you were asking, but it kind of gets in that same, same boat. Well, that honestly, it got me thinking to, you know, you talk about servant leadership and serving, you know, kind of like with your assistant role. So I was like, we got to go down this path before I go. Cause I know Gilly would get mad at me anyway. So like, <laughs> we got to talk about how you serve the, the bananas, man. We got to talk a little bit about the bananas and the, the experience yeah. there and with Gilly and, um, you know, down with the, you know, the right now famous, I mean, these guys just incredible what they're doing. Yeah. So, and how, how, how that experience was and what, you know, what, what kind of, what's your biggest takeaways from that? Yeah. Gilly obviously runs an incredible program. He's an incredible guy. Um, but I think at the same time, like I had the same, like, that's where it started for me was learning how to like be an assistant. Like yeah. I had to be a good assistant in order to be a better head coach at Karen when I came back. Um, and I would honestly say I probably didn't do the best job that I could have there in that area. Like I probably could have served better. Um, but it was really cool to be around that coaching staff that just, just cared about the players. Like they cared, like, you get all this flashy stuff with the bananas, like from the fan standpoint, and you don't get to see everything that goes on behind the scenes of the way like Jesse, the owner cares for everybody in that organization and Emily, like, and all the employees there, like how they care for everybody. Um, And it just trickles down to Gillum, like what he did with us as coaches care for us, like would pay for our dinners at times, like just do things that would help take care of us. And, um, and then it would just trickle down. Like, so, Savannah, the players at Savannah, I don't think realize how good they have it sometimes uh, because we would wash all the uniforms there. So um, Tile Hankins was there. Give him credit, man. That dude was a laundry machine. (laughs) He did laundry and folded clothes and put the uniforms out and he just would go at it and just serve in that way. Um, My responsibility was sweeping both locker. Like we had to use two locker rooms 
because of COVID, because it was oh. the COVID summer. We were probably one of the first leagues, only leagues to be playing because the Cape had already canceled. So we had to use two, two lockers. I was responsible for cleaning the lockers, sweeping the, sweeping the floors, mopping the floors. Um, and uh, one of the other coaches, Pi, was in charge of making all the sandwiches for the players that they got. Um, and then uh, Fox was in charge of, of sweeping uh, and helping me with some of the locker room stuff as well as the dugouts. And um, so there were a, a lot of things that, like for me, like the way Banana Land runs, I was in charge of seeing the, doing the script every night. And so I had to make sure the players knew exactly where they needed to be, what promotion they were doing, who was dancing that night, who was taking the shirt off, who was running around the field, who was greeting people before games, and make sure it didn't conflict with where they needed to be when for starters and the starting pitcher wasn't in all of that. Mm. Uh, and so that's how we served. Like, I think that's what it looks like. And getting to do that with Gilly was awesome. Like, it was just an incredible environment to be around. Um, and I would say there were times like I probably I, I could have did a better job, but I, like that was the first step in teaching me that. Like I think that was preparing me for the role that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And like you asked how like different roles have prepared me to where I'm at now. Like that I was there for a reason. Right. I coached the fall and then I, I left Karen. Um, but that was preparing me for this role. Like, and but the same thing there was they cared about their people like jesse bought all of the owner there the guy that wears the yellow tux all the time bought all of our all of us coaches the last couple weeks we were there a massage like hey go get a massage before you guys leave um and he bought all every single coach like a massage to go get a massage because he knew we were working our butts off and just knew how stressful the COVID stuff was taking temperatures of guys making sure guys were just like managing all that stuff and was was pretty crazy and doing it for the first time. Like it wasn't like we had done this for a while. Like this was the first time anybody was making these rules up. Right. And so like we had to figure that out. And so that's where I think there was a lot of added stress to that, where like there was a lot of promotional stuff that usually happens that didn't really happen that year. Like we did make a, a video early on, the boys are back in town. We're dancing mm-hmm. on Main Street down there with the coaches. I look like a fool and <laughs> did all that stuff. And Gilly doesn't mind looking like a fool. I don't think sometimes wearing cowboy boots and dancing at their base box. But, <laughs> yeah. um, where I think that's where, like Gillum even said, like he's like, man, like, we usually did like quick podcast interviews. He's like, I just don't have time. Like, we're managing so much. Right. We're not used to um, where it was a definitely a unique summer and a great experience. And like, I loved every minute of it. Um, I, I got to give my wife a shout out. My wife, Courtney, who was seven months pregnant at the time and chasing a two-year-old, a toddler around at the games while I was getting to the field by 11, not getting home until midnight, home games, sometimes away games, not getting back till three in the morning. Um, so like, that's kind of what that was like. And I, I texted Gillum the other day, actually, it's funny that you texted me when you did, but said, hey, I saw the picture of you and your wife and your newborn traveling across the country. Like that brings back good memories of our drive from Philly down to Savannah. So um, where I think that's where like getting to coach with him and getting to see like, his experience. I'm, I'm anxious to hear what his experience is like now with like his family there with him. His family didn't make the trip. His wife was still finishing, I think, nursing school. Oh, yeah. um, and so like his wife wasn't out there while she was pregnant this last time. So she made a sacrifice for him to be out there without her. Yeah. And so I think that's where like, it's cool to kind of like hear from him, see how that was going, see how he managed that with coaching too. And um, like there's a lot of sacrifices that families and people make, but like the bananas experience was like, unlike anything else. I'm sure. 
and it was still great baseball. Like I don't think I've ever coached a talented, more talented group of baseball players there. They had like six or seven guys now in college that are pumping 96 plus, like one mm. actually was throwing a hundred miles an hour down there and like just crazy stuff like that. But um, coaching with Gillen was awesome. Like he's just a great phenomenal leader, motivator. Um, yeah. His pregame speeches were some of the best that I've ever heard post game or pregame, whenever he gave them. Um, and he was just a lot of fun to be around. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to ask him that same question of like what this last summer felt like for him and mm-hmm. all the other summers that he had. So um, that's kind of what it was like for me, man. Like it was a, it was a lot of fun. I love coaching those players, love getting to know them. Um, but also like it was, it was challenging in different ways where it's like, all right, I'm not the head coach now. Right. And I, it's like deprogramming yourself. You do something for so long. Yeah. Like I did that for four years. And yet, like, I, I had to deprogram myself of like, hey, I'm not making the decisions. I guess right. I'm not making decisions. Um, and so, like, I think that's where what was helping me now. Like, I'm deprogramming myself from that because it wasn't my decision to make. And that's okay. Like, it yeah. was fine. So, um, I think that's where, like, getting to know Gillum and getting to see how he led was a lot of fun. Um, and just getting to do with those coaches. Like, this is a fun group of coaches to coach with. I'm um, sure. And in that environment, it's just incredible. So, uh, from Pi, we called him Uncle Pie because my son Rhett loved him, chased him around the hallways at our apartment complex. And um, but he would also wear he wore a Fourth of July romper on the, our Fourth of July game, a fireworks night, and instead of a uniform, like that's the stuff that happens in Banana Land that wouldn't happen anywhere else. All right. Coaching coaches wearing a Fourth of American flag romper and walking out and giving a taking a picture out with a romper on. So that's the stuff that happens in Banana Land that doesn't happen anywhere else. <laughs> Oh, so but it's, it's I guess it's just great because like you said, you just the serving of it, you know. I think which worry so it was like you said, it was, it was teaching you that prior to, and I know Gilly's all about that as well. He's definitely serving, and he said he is like I mean, just they found, he's just a great communicator. Like he just knows how to the analogies that he uses and just the, the communication piece is just he can simplify things, break it down, like make it easier to understand. He relates to players so well too, like the yeah. Players- players same way like we talked about because he cares about them they run through a brick wall for that dude so yeah for sure way, like he was just so blunt and straightforward with players too which i i learned a lot oh from. yeah like he was straightforward with them and he didn't beat around the bush and like they respected that and like he just did a phenomenal job down there it's great coaching with him for that year and and like it's funny because the roles were reversed like he's an assistant coach oh yeah right 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 during the school year and he's the head coach in the summer so um, I know he leads like the the physical education or the health department there a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, so like, it, it's kind of funny, like hearing that, like we had a conversation about that a little bit while we were down there and he said, being assistant or being a head coach has allowed me to be a better assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't quite grasped that as much yet. And cause I took over as a head coach when I was 27 years old and I had like six, six years of coaching experience, but all of them were kind of, mild like I knew I was an assistant I knew I was just kind of there to help out didn't really I didn't know if coaching was my career yet when I was an assistant until I didn't really realize it was a career until I took the head coaching job um, for me so but the same thing with Gilly like that's where getting to have that experience with him and he could relate to being assistant because he is an assistant Mm -hmm. so um, I think for me it was a good growing experience and I learned a lot I had to humble myself a lot um, and realize I still have a lot to learn too Awesome. Awesome. Man, just, just wrapping things up, man. It's just great. It, it, it just, um, 
anything else you want to throw out there before we before we wrap up and head in for the night? Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I just it's cool seeing what you're doing. Like, I remember Dean actually before you reached out to me, um, he said he's going to pass my information along to you. Like, like I, I don't know, it was probably almost nine months ago now or something. Yeah, it's probably a while. It probably was. It probably was a while. Yeah, and uh, and then out of the blue, you texted me yesterday, and I was like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. But like, I've followed what you're doing, but I think it's awesome. Like, just better men, better ball players. Like, I think that's a I think too many coaches miss the boat on that. And I think it's catching on a lot more. Like, I mean, you mentioned sheets. Like I, I texted him the other day, congratulated on the season. And he was, yeah. his, one of his conversations was integral of me taking this position because he did the same thing when he took the job at ABCA. That's true. That's a good so point. Like, yeah. I asked him like, Hey, like, what would you do? Like what made you make that decision? And he helped me walk through that. And Man. one of the, one of the things he stated to me was like, Phil, like, you're probably holding on to this and he didn't know for sure, but he's like, you're probably holding on to this, but your identity isn't found in you being a coach. And it's not, it's found in you being a father, um, you being, uh, uh, like your faith, your, your mm-hmm. is a huge part of who you are. That's where your identity is found. It's not in being a coach and being a good husband. Like that's where your identity is found in those things. And, and he said, so you got to let go of that. You think it's real, but it's really not. Same thing. He's like, I thought the same thing. And so like, he was integral, like, but that's what I mean. Like it's catching on like the whole, like that's where the conversation with him, like talking about developing people before ball players. Yep. Um, and so, I, but kudos to you for what you're doing and getting the right, the right people on with Gilly and Sheets and like all those people. And um, where, that's why like, you're here, buddy. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> yeah, our, our conversation has probably been 90% about people and relationships and leadership than, about 10% baseball. So, um, but yeah, I think that's where like, it's cool to see that it's cool to see what you're doing, but also like, I like for coaches out there that are still really focused on the the bottom line, the wins, the the stats, what they're doing. Um, I think if you ask a lot of coaches out there that are doing it or have done it or didn't do it during their career would say, Hey, if you don't focus on the person first, like you're, you're not going to be as successful as what you could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's where a lot of coaches may miss the boat, but it is catching on. You see a lot more coaches care about the person, um, which in turn creates just a, a phenomenal culture because you're, you're growing young men. Um, you're growing, you're growing young ball players, and you're growing people that are going to go out. And obviously we're seeing what the world's kind of turning into right now. And we get to be a part of a, a situation where as a coach, you're spending more time with those guys than anybody else at your school or campus or, or facility, whatever that is. Like as a coach, you're spending, you're spending almost more time with those guys than probably most people are with their family during the course of a baseball season. And so you have an opportunity to help these young men be able to go out and help be a piece of society that helps change things in the right direction and help be that, that voice of reason, that voice of change, that think about every coach in the world impacts all 35 of their guys to be better people and go out and be leaders in this world like what the world's going to change into. And like, mm-hmm. same thing as a parent, like you have two kids, like we, like, I remember being in the hospital with our, our oldest um, back in February with a pretty scary thing for a week down children's hospital in Philadelphia. And, um, but I remember a nurse saying to me like, yeah, it's a scary place to bring a kid into the world. And I was like, well, if we don't do it and help grow better people, then like who is? And mm-hmm. I remember her kind of saying until the world changes them. And that kind of stuck with me. That conversation stuck with me out of that whole week. And I think my wife was out getting some food or something for us. And I just remember that conversation, but like the same thing with coaches, like if we're not helping these 
young men become better leaders in the world than who is. So mm-hmm. um, it's cool to see what you're doing and see just that catch on throughout the world of sports, not just baseball. Um, and it, it's cool to see that continue to grow. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. It's, it's, it's just a, it's, it was my mission. It was our mission. And when I was at, at Smithsburg, it kind of always came down to that. We were always having these conversations and it's just, you go to the person, the ball, the ball player comes with it. I mean, that's for, yeah. that's for Dag, I'm sure. And there's, we've all had those mature kids that are just the better players too, you know, yeah. and they can, they can't figure it out. Can't, can't get out of his way, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. he'd be a lot better if he did. Yeah. But dude, that's, uh, best way to follow you, best way to contact you. Anybody wants to talk, talk some more baseball? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my, uh, uh my email is pschallenberger13 at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot me an email there. Uh, you can reach me on my cell phone. I don't mind giving that out. 724-448-7808 if anybody wants to reach out. Um, but also. Uh, Wait, you say that call. again. Say that, say that was a little fast. Oh, 724-448-7808. And then uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I, I get back to people on there as well. And um, and also everything that I put out on Twitter is stuff that I'm learning and growing through. It's my journal, basically. Mm-hmm. Like everything that I put out is stuff that I'm growing in. And like, if I feel like I need to be, if I need to hear that, somebody else probably does too. So um, that's why I just kind of put it out there publicly, but it also helps me. So um, you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Phil underscore, uh, Coach Phil S underscore 13. I think that's what the handle is, if not. Coach Phil underscore S13. So I think it's Coach Phil S underscore 13. S underscore 13. Yeah. Let me make sure that's it. I don't even know my own Twitter handle. That's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, no. It's Coach Phil underscore S. That's what it is. Coach Phil underscore S. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Two L's in that. Two L's? Got it. Yeah. So. Coach uh, Phil, yeah. two L's underscore S. Yep. Bam. Got so, it. 724 448 7808. Yeah. Feel free to Ooh. anybody have questions or anything they want to add. So I'm always trying to grow and learn too. So um, sticking with yeah. my philosophy, my roots, but also that's like, right. Pick up with. So, well, that's what you were like. And that's what kind of came to my mind. Like as you were, um, just as you said, it kind of the same formula. And for me, it came back to, well, it's because it's your roots, you know, like the roots, it comes down to that, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's, that's what it was all about, you know? So I thought that's really stuck with me. And I, I, I like that, that image of the tree and yeah. your roots. I think that's solid, man. It's solid. It's great stuff. So I appreciate you helping me get better today too, man. It's always awesome. Uh, uh, thanks. I, it's been a while since I had one of these conversations. I honestly wasn't sure if I was ever going to be on a podcast again once I left coaching. So nah, man, cool. I'm glad we made it happen, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I appreciate it, man. It's awesome. And Thanks for having me on and what you're doing. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. So keep Appreciate it, up. it Appreciate it, man. Coach Philip Schallenberger. Just a great conversation. A lot of things very similar. Big takeaways for me is just the roots, man. The roots, what we get down to, what we really value. Um, came down to him, like what he talked about with his advice to for someone to try and switch that mindset of being end, end goal, outcome-oriented, being about the wins, to make the switch to people, make the switch to the process, you know, and how he talked about, um, you know, getting to evaluate what those values were and, and 
being intentional about his his people and the relationships and building those things, and he continues to do it. And now it's even though the the people have changed, right? The formula is still the same, and that's what uh, really stuck out to me there. And um, you know, it was really great to make the connection with Coach Schallenberger, uh, friend of mine, and guy I coached with Dean Pat Peterson. Connected the two of us, and and um, really thankful for that. You know, saw some great stuff. And Coach Peterson, right? Coach Schoenberger is a great dude. He's a good dude. Just had a great conversation. Definitely a guy I want to keep in contact. And um, look forward to another, some other great conversations in the future. So uh, please make sure you reach out to him for anything else you might need. Uh, want to connect with him in any way at Coach Phil underscore S at Coach Phil, that's two L's and Phil. Please be sure you reach out to him on himself if you wanted to. He gave his cell number there during the show as well as email. pschallenberger at gmail.com. Schallenberger is two L's and Schallenberger. Burger with a E-R, G-E-R, burger. So, uh, Coach Schallenberger, man, just can't thank you enough, buddy. Great meeting. Great meeting you. Great talking to you. Um, you know, and I uh, can't wait to the next conversation. And uh, for everyone else, can't thank you enough for helping us and supporting us here. Been over 10,000 downloads now, and I'm going to keep on pushing forward and uh, help me get better, uh, helping us all get better. I'll keep going in the game, keep going in the game for the kids, for the future, and uh, understanding that this game, you know, it teaches us a lot. You know, just like we learned a lot of failure through this, through COVID and going through that stuff, baseball, we're dealing with failure all the time and we have to help kids help people handle it and handle it the right way and and grow and learn these lessons that'll take them beyond the game of baseball and baseball really does a great job of that and um you heard that all through coach Schallenberger his talk today and and uh, so it's just a really great um great conversation so can't thank him enough please go ahead and share share anybody you like with this podcast um, reach out to me Trey T. Cobb at gmail Follow us on Twitter and um, Facebook. Those are two big ones that we use. And um, keep getting better.